Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. What's up everyone? You have heard us week after week gush about Viam, and I'm going to tell you why it is so important. We've already seen great changes within ourselves once using this product and it's so easy and the reason why it's so important is because chronic illness affects all of us in one way or another. It's our loved ones or it's ourselves and that's suffering from diabetes or obesity, autoimmune disease, depression, anxiety, anxiety, all of these things that we're learning more and more about, and they're actually starting inside of our gut. And it's oftentimes caused by the food that we're eating. So why Viome is so cool is that it actually tests the microbiome in your gut and lets you know what foods you should be eating and what foods you should be avoiding. And it's just revolutionizing the way that we can be our healthiest selves. And for the first time ever, Viome is now available for 139 for our Better Together family, which is so exciting because it will really change everything that you know about food and what you're eating. So go to viome.com slash together. That's V-I-O-M-E dot com slash together. They will mail you a kit and you just do this quick little test. You send it back and they give you all your results in the easiest way. And we can't wait to hear how it's benefiting you. So keep us updated. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey. And Jeff. And we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to Better Together. Because when you know better, you get better. And today is going to be a great example of that. 
Uh, Our quote of the day, only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. And that is from Carol Burnett. And again, very appropriate quote, Miss Steph Sabra for today's show, because we have an incredible guest on the show. I was uh, sent her book um, and, and made aware of her by our favorite hypnotherapist, Ida, and, um, and I read it and learned so much and, of course, was so excited to have her on the show today because this is a woman who's had cancer a few times and healed herself and worked really, really diligently to discover um, solutions that weren't um, necessarily available to her without her doing all of the work to find it. So um, I am really just blown away at how much work she has done. And she's really created a roadmap for all of us in this book, How to Starve Cancer, um, to be able to heal yourself as well. But it's a lot of work. And like Carol Burnett said, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you. And that's what I talk about in the medical world all the time. You can't just lay your health over to one person. You have to be an active participant in it. You have to be asking the questions. You have to be doing your own research. You have to be knowledgeable about the limitations of the medical system as it currently stands and know that you have to carry that burden of the rest of it. Like she talks about in the interview, there's a large chunk that's missing. Mm-hmm. And the, the sooner we all realize that there's a large chunk missing, the sooner we're going to get healthier and take that bull by the horns and do it. And if you can't, because you're too ill, you need an advocate that's going to do it for you. How long ago did you have access to this book? Just a couple months ago. So Ida had sent it to me in a link and she said, I think this would be really helpful to you. And I was like, I'm chilling. Mom's doing good. (laughs) I can't read another book right now. I was really like, once I was able to catch my breath, then I was able to focus on my stuff. And so I didn't, I didn't read it right away. And then my mom got re-diagnosed and guess whose ass was reading that book (laughs) super fast. Um, and so I think that is the biggest thing to impart on everyone is that there is a missing chunk. It has been acknowledged by people in the medical community themselves. You heard Dr. Christy Funk talk about it on this up on the show. And so um, today, Jane McClelland is on the show. Like I said, she was only 30 when she was diagnosed with cancer. A few years later, it was stage four. It had spread to her lungs. 18 years later, she's alive and well and thriving. She's a physiotherapist with scientific training, and she was able to examine and digest hundreds of research papers that went beyond any drugs or therapies offered and somehow found a new way to treat cancer, one that enhanced the best of both complementary and conventional medicine and starved cancerous cells from the nutrients they needed as fuel. And she also talks about um, care oncology, which is a really great resource for people. I feel like if you're new to this and you need that extra help, like I filled out the forms, I haven't, I never finished it, but care oncology seems like a really great place to, to start. Yeah. Um, a resource I've never heard about. Yeah. And so the episode is long, so we're going to end our chit chat. 
and get right to it. It is a Skype interview and we've had Skype interviews before. Um, but sometimes we have the little talk thing, talk over thing happen. And I apologize for that. I had a couple of coughs. I also, she was in that. London. <laughs> she's in England. She's, yeah, she's across the pond. Yes. Um, but, and I'm not trying to scare you. Please listen. And, and, and there's a lot of valuable information in there. We're going to talk about chemo brain. We're talking about, of course, exactly what she did. We're talking about her post chemo plan, vitamin C drips, and how important those are and how similar and helpful they could be in a way that chemotherapy is. Um, the parallels between psoriasis and tumors. If you have psoriasis, you want to read, you want to listen to this as well. Um, if you're even type two diabetic, her findings were from other ailments that she applied to her cancer. So there's a lot in here that's helpful for a lot of things. So, um, I hope you guys, um, find it useful. I really recommend her book, how to starve cancer. Um, because there's going to be a lot of stuff in here and you're going to be like taking feverish notes, but it's all in the book and we will put all the resources in the summary for this. So without further ado, here's our, when you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Interview with Jane McClelland. All right, Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I came across your book. And it's very marked up, if you can see. (laughs) And uh, I'm fascinated by your journey and your courage to kind of share it because it's scary to share alternative methods of of healing yourself. And so it was funny, a hypnotherapist I work with about, gosh, maybe it was in July, emailed my husband and I and said, listen, I know you're always looking for other things. Um, this might be helpful with your mom. My mom has stage four brain cancer and I had the link and I never opened it because I was like, my mom's doing great. I can take a break from all the research for a minute. And then she got diagnosed with a recurrence. So guess who went right to that email immediately, pulled up the link, bought the book and started applying things instantly. And so I want to start with of course, your story. And I want you to explain to everyone when you were diagnosed, your whole your whole story. Just go from start to finish. You've said it a million times, I'm sure. So you've probably got it down to a great soundbite of sorts. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't said it that many times, but um, I was diagnosed initially in 1994 with cervical cancer, which had spread to my lymph nodes. Um, I then went through the normal standard protocols of uh, chemo, radiotherapy, I had a vertine cystrectomy, 
And at this point, I was only 30 years old, so I was pretty young, um, and it was pretty devastating because it obviously took away my fertility. Um, and I was more concerned about that than I was about dying at the time. It really didn't occur to me that actually I had quite an advanced cancer. Um, I, was, I was looking very positively at it and um, just assumed I'd be fine. I've been given every impression by the doctors that I was going to be fine. So um, it was when my mother died in 96 of breast cancer that I kind of woke up a little bit to the fact that actually I was only one stage away from stage four, uh, which is, as you know, meant to be the terminal stage or the final stage or whatever they like to call it. So um, I started to change my diet. Uh, I tried to get my mum to change her diet before she died, but, you know, she, she left this earth pretty fast from having told us uh, she had cancer that had spread to her liver um, and her bones. And she she was only around for about eight weeks, so it really gave us very little time. But during that eight weeks, I did an awful lot of exploring and hunting and trying to find things to save her. Uh, And that's when I came across not just um, the conventional treatments, but I was looking at diet and intravenous vitamin C and lots of things like that. But I didn't implement a lot of that into my – I didn't feel that I needed it at that point. I – I changed my diet. I cut out dairy. I cut out wheat and um, meat, things like that. So, and cut down on my alcohol, which has been quite high. Um, and then in '99, I started coughing up blood, and um, I was took myself into hospital, and they discovered I had a, a lung tumor uh, in my right lung. So I had a chunk of lung removed and then I had loads of chemo but during that time I already had my head in a different space because I've realized that you know what had been done before was very basic the treatment I was receiving now was very basic and I felt that there were so many you know the body's holistic you need to look at the whole body and not just um, a bit of it as having a tumor you've got to treat the whole whole person and uh, I felt that wasn't being done so I um, radical changed my diet, and then I started looking at supplements, um, and then I, I veered towards off-label drugs. And, and aspirin was my first one, obviously, as a very basic, um, easy to to um, to get to obtain. And and then I ended up having a problem with my blood in 2003, and this is kind of a result of the chemo and radiotherapy that I'd had before. Um, and once I got to that point, I knew that the chemo had actually caused it. So any more chemo was not going to be useful for me. The chemo so caused the blood at, issue? Uh, well, I think it was probably more radiotherapy, but a combination of the two. I had a huge dose. And my, my oncologist was quite clear to me that she was giving me a, a, a massive dose because she felt that I was not going to survive anyway. So and that was from the lung cancer and this blood disorder? Yeah. Well, the, the blood disorder was a result of the chemo for the lung and cervical Got um, it. issues. And what were you doing so, for a living yeah. at this time? I, well, formerly chartered physiotherapist, so I, I did that. But, and, and then as soon as I got diagnosed with cancer, I just couldn't base treating patients for a while it just took me a long time because I couldn't deal with somebody whinging about a, 
a, a sprained ankle mm-hmm. when I was dealing with cancer. It yeah. just, I, my compassion, I'm afraid, just went out the window. I get it. Uh, I get it. So <laughs> I didn't do that. And I, I kind of launched myself into, um, I, I made a waterproof book that stuck on the side of the bath called Bath Aerobics. And I then later on created some toiletries to go with it. Um, it actually won Gift of the Year. It's slightly different uh, a pack of sort of beauty relaxation, meditation, every, everything sort of rolled into one and thalassotherapy treatments, which were sort of seaweed-based, um, natural, very natural treatments. Obviously, no par- I did this, you know, before before it was well known to sort of take out parabens and all these things. That's great. Um, so, but you were so, in the medical kind of profession. So yeah. you, you, you dove into your own case feeling that the regular me- medical system wasn't enough. Uh, I have always felt there was a large chunk missing, that it was so basic and that we weren't using the proper cocktails. I could kind of see with HIV, the way things were moving in that field, that they were starting to put together quite effective cocktails. And to me, they didn't exist in cancer. Yes, you have cocktails of chemo but this it wasn't the same there wasn't the <clears throat> the approach to um target the metabolism and the abnormal uptake of glucose and things like that to me all of that side was completely ignored and the work of otto warburg back in you know the 1920s seemed to be ignored um, intravenous vitamin c clearly had benefits because it you know at high doses it produces hydrogen peroxide which are free radicals and um these kill-off stem cells. And uh, to me, it just seemed ridiculous that we weren't taking advantage of less toxic therapies and Mm -hmm. and adding those in. Well, to me also, Um, I would say that when you think about the regular kind of chemo, radiation, surgery protocol, it's we're doing all this damage. Why are we not fortifying the body and building the immune system at the same time so that it can handle the toxicity levels. That's what never made sense in my mind and why I shipped my mom off to Mexico and we did lots of immune boosting therapies. And that's why I believe she's here three plus years later with stage four brain cancer. Um, And so I like how you say it, a large chunk was missing. That makes a lot of sense to me. I like that. It was, and, and it is, and I've discovered what that chunk is, you know, um, in, in my delving into to my own case and then delving into other people's cases. The, the, the picture has become bigger and bigger because since 2000 and, well, 2004 was my last time when I had my markers really high um, and I had all these other things going on. <clears throat> um, but after that point, I started to help other people as well. So I sort of built up a picture of, of, and I I knew that the cocktail that I put together of old drugs um, had really helped me. And I was trying to help other people with cocktails of old drugs as well. Um, and I was, you know, it was it, it just built up a bigger picture of of pathways of where things were being blocked. And I've kind of tried to. I see the, the the pathways in my book to, to make it simple. But, I mean, effectively, there are three three macros in the diet. There's glucose, uh, which is your carb, um, fatty acids, which is your fat, and glutamine, which is your protein. 
um, which are what your cancer will feed off. So those three things are effectively what it will want to feed on. And it can use either of those to, and it will switch and change depending on its location and the availability of what's what's around. So um, it kind of started to make more sense to me when I understood the cancer stem cell a little bit more uh, and how it differed from the fast dividing cell, which is what conventional treatments treat. So chemo and radiotherapy only get the fast dividing cell. Um, and so 1% of your tumor is a cancer stem cell. And that's the really dangerous one that gets left behind. And it's flexible. It's adaptable. It'll change how it feeds. It will change, you know, um, it, it, it will somehow become resistant to whatever you've done to it uh, in order to survive. And, and it can just lay hidden, right? Like, I think that's what I read mm. in the book is, <coughs> excuse me, is it can lay hidden. Like your your cancer can be in remission, let's say. Everyone can say you're good, it but it's dead. hidden. And then it pops up yeah. again later, right? Well, it can stay. It's a bit like, a bit like, um, a viral infection, which may be shingles or something, which can go dormant and then just re-emerges. Okay, it's very much like that. Um, and there are triggers, and viral triggers can can do that actually with some cancers. Um, you see that, and, and you know, CMV is actually linked to brain cancer. I'm sure you've explored that. I that actually avenue. don't know um, anything about CMV. Please tell me. Oh, cytomegalovirus. Um, that is linked to brain cancers and um, valgenciclovir, which is an antiviral, um, is sometimes given to, if, if you have an active, and they should test really to see whether you have an active, whether your mum has got an active CMV going on. Because if, if she does, then the addition of an antiviral will be very useful um, and it will help keep it damped down and suppressed. So, wow, is that like a blood test? Research you later. <laughs> I know. Is yeah, that a blood, like test? a blood test? Okay, I'm gonna do it. Done. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I can. All right, friends. Let's talk about something we all do: snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Send you some info on that if you like. Please, please do. So you created, you were basically your own guinea pig because at that point yep. they were telling you you were terminal, right? Yeah. And then I ended up having this blood cancer, which again was a terminal because once you have um, uh, myelodysplasia or anything like that, on top, which is caused by the chemo and the radiotherapy, there is nothing 
they can give you for the, or, or nothing that will cure you. They, you know, they, they, um, they don't expect you to survive longer than a few weeks because you've already had that prior treatment, which of course wrecks your immune system. So you are defenseless. So they expected me to be carted off fairly quickly as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but lo, I am still here. So, and the reason for that is because I added in these off-label mm-hmm. drugs. So you uh, had the cervical, affected- you had the cervical cancer that you did the re- regular chemo radiation surgery. Then you had the lung yeah. cancer, which you had the well, surgery. Is, yeah. Right. Or yeah. So it's, it's cervical that had spread to the lung. So yes. it's not ah, a different cancer. It's the got same it. cancer. Okay. But it is just um, it had spread to a different organ. So, so when it spread to the when it spread to the lung, did you do radiation and chemo again? I did. Um, I did chemo uh, and surgery. Okay. And then it, when you got any- the blood the blood cancer, you <laughs> said, "Okay, enough is enough. I can't do more chemo. I can't do more radiation." And that's when you created yeah, these cocktails. That's right, because um, there was very little that I could do. Um, so doing more chemo was not an option. That just would have ruined my system even more. So I didn't want to do that. Um, and the only the only options I could find were, you know, I just Trials. dug and dug into research and just try to find anything that might give me a glimmer of hope. Yeah. And when I came across how it had helped put the blockers on um, certain cancers, it stopped growth factors, I didn't know about it blocking certain pathways um, to uh, which fed the cancer because, in fact, it's well. I knew it stopped nucleoside salvage, and that's sort of how the the cell sort of grabs little chunks of DNA that might be floating around in the area and engulfs it and recreates new daughter cells by using these tiny little chunks of DNA. Because the cancer cell is very very lazy. If it can get chunks of DNA pre-made. It will use them. It's very mm-hmm. efficient. So, um, so what it does is it ruffles its membrane, pulls in stuff from outside the surrounding area, and just refashions sort of so it creates. It has to have enough macro molecules to sort of divide into two. So it sort of swells up, has to really increase in size, um, and it you know to do that it needs um, fat, glucose, glutamine. You know, it needs all those things um, to, to, to create these daughter cells because it's dividing all the time. Um, and this is this is um, really the area where it, we've just been missing. We complete this is a such an area ripe for treatment. And yes, it's been completely ignored for decades, so almost a century. Before we get into what you research and you found, when you were going through all these different phases you said you adopted a cleaner diet. Um, was yeah. there anything else you did? Did you do vitamin C infusions? I did. When I when I had the stage four to the lung, I definitely uh, started doing those um, quite regularly. And do you think that so, helped? Oh, definitely. I was checking my markers. You know, I, I had them done regularly to the point where my, my oncologist was just, he just wrote me out a whole sheaf of, of papers signed and said just go have them taken whenever you like Um, because I was trying to keep on top of what was going on I was making a graph I was charting everything um, seeing will this work I was you know I was experimenting on myself so I needed to know what I was doing was having an effect and um, 
So the intravenous vitamin C, I, I know, worked because actually mm -hmm. my markers dropped to the lowest level when I had the intravenous vitamin C. Um, and that was in combination with um, quite a few supplements yeah. um, which could starve the cancer, including berberine, yeah. which I don't you know berberine i've got I, a chart in my book i do i read the, um, i read the book so i put my mom on Harrison. it <laughs> yeah because it lowers your good. glucose levels and glucose is what feeds cancer yep but actually if you think about the brain the brain is mostly made up of fat and actually the cancer will like to use fat too and the thing about berberine and why it works better than metformin for killing off cancer is that berberine has um, an effect of blocking up some of the, the fat. So actually, if you compare metformin and berberine, metformin is a diabetic drug, which is very equivalent to berberine in a lot of ways. They both hit similar pathways, but the berberine will actually block more fat uptake um, than the metformin, which is why it is more effective in the brain. Um, so uh, it does depend on the location as to what you choose and, and um, how much you have of what. But, um, you know, it's it's a matter of just understanding your your uh, tumor a little bit better mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what, what it's made up of and how it feeds. And all of that information is on Google. It hasn't quite got down to, I say all of that information, actually we're at cutting edge of trying to work out, the scientists are trying to work out the um, pathways, the metabolic pathways, the way it eats, the way it sort of brings the nutrients and what it really mm -hmm. likes to feed on. Um, all of those things are being, that's that's the sort of the, the cutting edge of research at this moment in time. So it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right on that edge telling people where to look and how to find it. So um, it. hopefully people are able to glean as much information as they can. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to help to themselves. What best to use. Yeah. So when you and, say and your markers you know, went down, been... when you say your markers went down, yeah. can you explain that to people so that they can understand um, as they're okay. like, there are people who are listening to this who just got diagnosed and this right. is all so, new to them. Yeah. So different cancers will have different markers. So colon cancer, We'll have a different one to breast cancer. We'll have a different one to the one I had, which was squamous cell carcinoma. Now, they're not very good. at They can't really detect brain tumors. I don't think they have one for brain tumors, do they? I don't believe so. An antigen test? No. Um, so the only thing you can look at with brain tumors is really the um, LDH, which is your lactate dehydrogenase. But the with other cancers, you can look at um, antigen markers. So this is how the body is reacting to the um, to the cancer, and these spike and go up the more cancer you have. So um, to start with, uh, when I was first diagnosed, um, well, they didn't take my markers. They completely ignored that until I had stage four. They would have discovered I had stage four if they'd actually done it a bit earlier. So many things that could have been done better. Um, and you and were treated in the UK. Yeah, NHS. Um, and the problem with the NHS is they'll give you all the cheap treatments first. So they'll wreck your immune system with the chemo before you're offered any of the more expensive treatments. So you have to sort of earn the right to have that, you know, by surviving <laughs> um, 
to, to earn the right to have the more expensive <clears throat> treatments. So it's all back back to front, really. Whereas in the US, at least you get to maybe get on some of the immunotherapies earlier. Um, like a Keytruda? For it. Yeah, all of that. So, yeah. And that's, you know, some of those things have been shown to be incredibly useful. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, th those things didn't exist back then anyway. So I, what I did with some of the, so the dipridamol, which is one of the off-label drugs that I took, is actually hugely beneficial for the immune system because it's not only um, good for blocking the pathways, it's an antiviral as well. Um, so it was actually... Back in the 80s, they looked at adding it to AZT for treating AIDS. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, um, and I knew that I had the HPV virus because um, um, that's commonly associated with cervical cancer. And, you know, I, so I thought something which was antiviral as well would be a good idea. And you find that actually there's a combination of infectious agents that are normally associated with cancer. It's not normally you know, just one thing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, certainly an antiviral to me seemed to be like a good plan. Um, and then the other, one of the other things I added was a statin. Um, I used lovastatin. No, it's only the fat-loving statins, the lipophilic statins that are any good. Um, you've got to I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. A range of statins out there, but they're not all beneficial for cancer. Like Atorvastatin. Um, so Atorvastatin and Lovastatin and Simvastatin are kind of the three main fat-loving ones, and they're really useful for cancer. And I added Lovastatin, and I've come across some research to show that uh, a non-steroidal um, in combination with the statin was five times better at killing cancer cells than on their own. So... I added this, um, uh, it was Todalac, was the non-steroidal I use, which is normally used for arthritis. What's it called? Uh, so I added that in at the max, a Todalac. A Todalac, okay. It's Todalac. There's quite a few sort of Ketorolac and uh, quite a few, Sulindac. They're, they're a class of um uh, non-steroidals, all, all of those have been shown to be very beneficial for cancer. Mm -hmm. um, but even ibuprofen and Voltarol, uh, you know, those are actually quite useful too. Is it because it's an anti-inflammatory? So, uh, there, there is that inflammatory um, trigger, which is the trigger for every single cancer. And some cancers are more inflammatory than others. For example, ovarian and colorectal 
are highly inflammatory. And so actually, uh, a, you know, a non-steroidal would be something I would recommend people investigate if they have those cancers, um, adding those in, definitely. But for me, um, it, yeah, I, I used it because I knew it would attack the blood and get in there mm -hmm. and hopefully do its job. But I didn't know I was going to go into remission. I, you know, to, to me at that point, I was clinging on um, and I just really wanted to buy myself a few weeks. How many years uh, has it been? So, 14, 15. <laughs> so, so <laughs> safe to say you did a great job. Um, when you yeah. were, so when you were Sherlock Holmesing this, <laughs> um, mm. you were adding the berberines. I know you added doxycycline as well, right? Um, no, I didn't. Um, doxycycline is something that um, is used by the Care Oncology Clinic, which is a clinic I discovered in 2015. Okay, maybe I'm doing confusing. a similar cocktail to the one that I, yeah, oh, I, I use dipridamol, which oh, is okay. an antiplatelet drug. Got it. So they don't use, sadly, the Care Oncology Clinic don't use that one. Got I wish it. they did, but they don't. So. Okay, yeah. that's right, actually. I remember my hypnotherapist sent me the link to Care Oncology as well. So you're a fan of theirs. Mm. I am. I think what they've done is uh, astonishing. They've just tried to, you know, in, in terms of um, the problem with the medical profession is that they need to have data and they need to have randomized clinical trials. Mm -hmm. They need to have studies coming out of every orifice before they'll believe that anything yes is worth its weight, you know? And, and in that time, everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with these old drugs is they are so cheap and they're off patent and nobody can be bothered to run any trials on them because they're not going to make any money out of it. So yes. they just get ignored, left on the shelf. Um, but what, what Care Oncology are doing, is they're, they're effectively asking the patient to fund the study. So everybody pays privately to go and see them um it's not extortionate you know in the uk it seems to be a bit cheaper than the us so we pay about 450 i think in the uk and i think the us i think it's about 800 dollars um like a visit so more expensive <laughs> for for a um for a skype got it uh consult okay so they go through everything you know uh, and they work out the best combination not everybody thinks it's the same four drugs and the same dosage it isn't there, there is some variation as to um your type of cancer and and how much or what you will have of each and, and clearly there are some personal um medical things that you need to take into consideration yeah well like, i'm sure they individualize things much more than the regular hospital would yeah so um so they try and work out um what the best combination for you would be. Got it. That's based such a good on, resource. On, on results. Yeah, based on results that they're getting so far from, from um, patients since 2015. Um, so, so you would say you know, they're the missing chunk? That is part, part of the missing okay. chunk. Okay. No, it's good I to know. Still not enough. Well, they, they have a, if you if you look on page three one nine in my book, um, I have my metro map, which covers certain pathways. And this is kind of my metro map is kind of being bounded around everywhere because it's it's kind of like the key to starving <clears throat> your stem cell. And the stem cell is the really tricky, difficult thing to get. So, 
Um, what what I've done is I've worked out the major fuel lines, kind of like the um, pipelines. Like I call it the metro because it's like the underground system. Um, and if you know the cancer can't fuel itself one way, it'll just use another fuel line um, and come back in through a different source, and it can switch from one line to an, you know something on the other side. Um, so it might not be glucose, it might be glutamine, which is as protein, or it might even be a fatty acid, mm-hmm. just to keep fueling itself. And I know people are very, very fond of the ketogenic diet, but actually brain cancers do feed on acetate um, quite voraciously. And that is an, um, it's a ketone. So, um, so you have to be a little bit wary. Yeah. But, you know, if you start on a ketogenic diet, it's not necessarily something you should, it's very good, I think, for kickstarting a low GI diet and sort of getting yourself into a good basic pattern of, of eating a low glycemic diet, but actually staying on it for too long if you've got cancer. The cancer learns to just feed off what you're giving it if you're not mm-hmm. careful. So, you know, you've got to learn to block all those pathways and actually taking berberine at the same time as you are if you were on a ketogenic diet is, is very beneficial because that will stop the tape being taken up yeah. by the brain cancer. It's funny. We started so, my mom so on a ketogenic diet. We started my mom on a ketogenic diet back three years ago, but I quickly modified it because I thought yeah. this doesn't feel right to be pumping her with so much fat or allowing that much of a fat intake didn't seem yeah. right. So I just said, mom, yeah. I know we're cutting out all the sugar. If you want a piece of bacon in the morning, I'm not going to stop you, but we are not going to throw heavy creams and all this crazy stuff in there. That's it's not good for anybody. Yeah. So anything in extreme isn't good. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, exactly. I, I'm a great believer of um, making it the, the middle road, really, yeah. because actually you don't want to be going extreme on anything. You you end up wrecking one system or another. Exactly. Um, so I just think. Um, yeah, so so going slowly down the middle path is much more effective than hurtling off the cliff one way or, you know, hurtling <laughs> off the road the other way. And I, I think, you, you know, you've just got to go steadily down that path and um, be using a cocktail approach so that you are, you know, targeting all the blocking all the pathways so it doesn't have a chance to rewire or reroute itself. And that's the key is to try and block as many of the key pathways um, for your cancer as you can. So, so how does you know, somebody, How well, first, I want to ask you, while you were Sherlock Holmesing all of this, you're adding all these yeah. things. Were you afraid of the interactions? What? Yes, I was, I was. Absolutely. So did you I have really like bad done. drug interactions? I mean, I, I read, but I don't remember no. seeing anything like that. No. I didn't. You know what? I had absolutely no interactions whatsoever. Um, I, I kind of because your liver could have gone into overdose. Yeah, but the, you know these are so low toxicity. When you compare them to chemo or anything else, you know metformin, statins. People take those all the time, and you can take those alongside chemo, immunotherapies. You mm-hmm. know because they're so low toxicity, they're not going to affect the other treatments that you might be on and this is the key is you add them on in addition to whatever else you're taking um and that that's the important thing so you build up this cocktail to sort of block the pathways as well as you know boosting your immune system or doing whatever else you're doing um so 
so that it works in in a sort of a myriad of different ways to sort of block the uh, block the uptake of all the stuff it needs to fuel itself. Um, but the yeah, so the diprotonol antiplatelet drug, very low toxicity. Metformin, low toxicity. It's the safest drug, I'd say. Uh, you know, I mean, it has there's there were some concerned about it causing too low blood glucose, but actually it's been shown to be normoglycemic, so it normalizes your blood glucose. It doesn't drop it down. Um, you could be careful if you're a type one diabetic. Um, that doesn't apply, but. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Type twos, you know, they they take it very safely. Um, And then statins, like I said, they're commonly used. The the, the Atodolac was probably the one that had the most potential side effect because, you know, it can give you stomach bleeds and things and long-term kidney issues if you take it too long what about the aspirin Um, because i heard i was talking to a doctor yesterday and i was telling him about the aspirin and he said you have to have such high doses for it to be effective in cancer not true it depends on the cocktail that you have so again if the, the greater the cocktail the less of each thing you need um and aspirin really works best in combination with metformin or berberine because together they will block the fatty acid synthesis pathway, which is a making fat to produce the daughter cells. So you, you actually need to be having both together in order to block that. Um, but if, if you're just testing aspirin on its own, you won't get that effect. So, yeah, you might have to have very high doses to knock off the COX-2, which is the inflammatory side. Um, but that's not really, that's, part, that's only part of the game. You're missing a really important factor, which is starving the cancer, which is kind of where I'm coming from it. And starving the cancer is the key to actually getting rid of the stem cell. So um, it's, it's the combination of the aspirin and the metformin or aspirin and berberine, which was the important thing. So it's combinations, cocktails are the key. And it's not just one thing. If you test one drug, it's like chemo. They use massive doses because that's all they're using. Um, it's... Mm, mind-numbingly stupid to be just using a huge dose of chemo whereas you could lower it and be doing a cocktail approach and, and using uh, a greater number of of lesser toxic things mm-hmm. in order to achieve a far <clears throat> greater effect what's a large dose of chemo to you um well it's known as the maximum tolerated dose so it's the amount they can give you without causing um toxic lysis syndrome which is where you get a breakdown as the cancer is so great 
from giving you chemo that you put your body into sort of toxic shock. Um, uh, and they try and give you just below that level. That's that's the maximum tolerance dose. And that, that varies depending on the type of chemo and, you know, your weight and everything else. So, okay. yeah. Are you for or against radiation? I think it definitely has a place. Um, I think stereotactic or, you know, targeted radiotherapy is a far better option. Um, if I had chemo? another lung and <clears throat> chemo. No, you said it's well, a far chemo, better option. Far better than what? Uh, the, the, the targeted radiotherapy is far better than um, just, you know, a, a general blast with the normal radiotherapy machines, which scatter everywhere. Um, if you have this 3D machine, which sort of fires from all sorts of different angles, you can pinpoint and each each ray has got a much lower rad so that you're actually p- focusing the um the concentration of the the uh the beam onto just a small area and you don't get that scatter whereas a 2d which is what they normally use just gives you scatter that way scatter that mm-hmm. way and you just affect all sorts of surrounding tissues and you get fibrosis and you get you know you end up if you're treating the pelvis you get diarrhea and you get i mean just all sorts of hideous complications yeah, um, I've seen so, it in the brain. <laughs> Not fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So go back through for everyone who's taking notes crazily, who I know will end up buying this book anyway and finding it all in here. Um, what is the cocktail that you think is most applicable to most cancers nowadays, mm. if you have one? Okay. Um well, certainly the top two things I would add would be metformin and statins. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've got a quick, that's my, ch- I don't know whether you can see that. I see can it, see yeah. That? It looks like an ovary with, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Or would so, you, metformin or berberine? Okay. Because you that's, said berberine blocks more. So why do you say metformin? Well, I say metformin because it's more standardized and you know what you're getting um, sometimes with natural supplements, you don't always know what you're getting, but metformin is a sort of a standardized thing. But having said that, um, I would also pulse a bit of berberine in there too. Um, and, and I, at the moment, what I do is I alternate between berberine and metformin. I still take those and occasionally I still take statin as well. Uh, and occasionally I still take my dipridamol at night. Um, but there are uh, many different things to block different pathways and actually to there's no standard i wouldn't say i I give people options on how to block those pathways for example um aerobic glycolysis which is uh this abnormal fermentation process that happens in cancer cells um that is something that can be blocked with intravenous vitamin c um but i give people the, the options of you know there's dca and 2dg 2-deoxyglucose um, and free BP, which is, uh, you know, but getting hold of some of those things can be quite tricky. But there are some natural supplements that can help block that as well, like chrysin. Um, and um, so there, there are options for each for each pathway so that you can actually learn to work out how to block those. And then you've got to work out if you block that, it's going to travel. Which pathway is it 
then going to travel up. And then you've got to block, make sure you block that one too to stop it from so, coming back. So when I look at the Metro map that you have on page 319, mm-hmm. each one of those yes. lines, like the red and the purple, those are different um, lines we got to block, right? So I see like yeah. you've got the Burberry and the Doxis, Cyclone, maybe something Met and NICL. Oh, Niclosamide. Yeah. That's, so, a, um, that's a, a worming pill, an old worming pill. Uh, that actually has a huge effect on several pathways and, and some of the cell signaling actually at the beginning that can kind of carry the whole thing through. Um, so are you saying that you about. have to do one of these lines and then at a certain point switch to another line and then a certain point switch to another line so no, that... No. What, no, what what cancer will do is use several pathways together. So all of them will use mTOR, all of them will use insulin, It'll use PP, the pentose um, phosphate pathway. They'll all use oxphos to a certain extent, and they'll all use glycolysis and glutaminolysis. But the bias changes depending on the type of cancer you have. Um, I say that, you know, prostate cancer doesn't use very much uh, aerobic glycolysis, which is unusual until it's very advanced. So it depends on your type of cancer mm-hmm. as to which of those pathways it prefers. But most most cancers use the majority of those pathways most of the time. Um, but, you know, it's, it's worth finding out your metabolic phenotype, but you shouldn't get too bogged down. And people do get a little bit worried. Oh, I don't know which one to start on. But just look at the map and just get going and start blocking stuff, you know, because um, some of these drugs will block many of the pathways. Metformin blocks IGF-1, blocks mTOR, um, it blocks uh, oxfos and you know it reduces glucose anyway uh statins will block the glut one which is the glucose receptor on the cancer um and it'll also stop the mevalonate pathway which is the cholesterol pathway that it uses to create new blobs of cholesterol on the surface of the daughter cells so it's um it's a matter of understanding um how the cancer cell it's it's very basic really I, um it's one cell dividing into two. And to do that, it needs fat, protein, carb. Um, and it's just a matter of working out which fuel lines are the most upregulated. But then you need to make sure you're blocking other ones as well. So, I mean, it, um, so that's why they tell you to I stop eating meat, right? Because the protein. Yeah. The, um, to be honest, you know, glutamine is uh, abundant in your body pretty much everywhere. Um, it does help to reduce the glutamine amount that's around, but your body um, kind of, you, the, the cancer learns to feed off um, the glutamine as it gets more aggressive generally. Most cancers will start off using glucose. Ovarian, for example, starts off using mostly fat and glucose. Um, but it does use glutamine as well. But then it switches to a predominance of using more glutamine as it gets more advanced. Um, so it depends on the sort of phase of the cancer as to where it is and how it's feeding. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not a straightforward picture. Yeah. Um, sadly. Of course. <laughs> so well, that's why. Say, yeah, that's yeah. why. Also, the standard of care is is tough because everybody's body is so individual, but I'm trying to like simplify some of it for people. So you said in your kind of, if in starving cancer 101, 
if I'm a newbie yep. and I have just yes. been diagnosed and I'm desperate to at least like put the brakes on some stuff while I do my education and learn and research and read your book and other books, yep. uh, metformin, berberine. Intermittent fasting, very Ooh. effective. Um, so you actually cut down the amount of time that you are feeding. So you, you, you have a smaller window of uh, your feeding time. So you'll do it over six or eight hours and then you won't eat for, you know, 18 hours or 16 hours. So you can do you can do these these intermittent fasts. Some people like to do sort of two straight days of no no feeding, but it depends on whether you, know, you don't want to do it too long when you've got cancer. If you're a healthy person, you can do a five day fast. No problem at all. Um, but I feel that when you've got cancer, you might just make the cancer a little bit resistant to that because it then uses this autophagy, which is self it feeding itself from the outside and sort of starting to eat away your body a little bit. So you've got to be careful. Um, is to, even small periods of fasting that. okay? Like even six hours of fasting? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Longer than that, should you should, yeah, definitely try and aim for um, 16 to 18 hours, ideally. Okay. What else? Yes. Yeah. So overnight. So that's people should feed until about 6 p.m. And traditionally what people do is then not eat until midday the next day. I actually think if you can feed in the morning and then stop at about 3 p.m., that's probably more effective. Um but people struggle to do that. Uh, it's much easier somehow to eat at six, stop, and then not eat until midday the next day. But got it. Okay, so whatever. we've got that. We've got metformin, berberine, intermittent fasting. What's next? Yeah. Um, and then you need, so the care oncology drugs are very good at blocking pretty much most of the uh, key pathways. But I've, you know, I, I added... Um, something to block this autophagy as well because it's not something that the oncology drugs deal with. <clears throat> so dipridamol was one of the drugs that I used and it, it stops this uptake of these little chunks of um, nucleosides, these chunks of uh, DNA. And the other thing that really should be uh, looked at is some anti-malarials like chloroquine. Um, a, a safer version of that is hydroxychloroquine. Um, it's not so damaging on the eyes. Um, but also, you know, you've got to be blocking glutaminolysis, which is the breakdown of glutamine to feed itself as well. This is the protein. Um, and you need a cocktail to do that because glutamine is the most abundant amino acid that you have in your body. So you're not going to stop it from being present. But what you can do is stop it getting to the cancer. So you stop the transport. You stop the way that it breaks itself down. So there are steps of glutaminolysis which can be targeted um, and you've got to uh, you don't have to understand the process you just have to to know that a combination of curcumin and ursolic acid are going to help do that um, so that's that's um, you know that's kind of key and resveratrol as well those three things are very good at helping to block and green tea stops um, a lot of the glutamine transport as well which is why it's so brilliant in every cancer every mm -hmm. cancer needs to, you know, you need to be drinking green tea and taking the aerosolic and curcumin and resveratrol. Well, resveratrol, there is potentially a link to sort of estrogen. But I think if you're taking tamoxifen or any of these other things, I think you're absolutely fine. But, uh, you know, 
some people are very wary about that. Mm-hmm. And then the aspirin and so, the statins. Aspirin, um, yes, you can swap that over for something natural uh, if you wanted, if you're worried about your stomach. Um, sea buckthorn oil is uh, a, a, an alternative to that. What is it called? So there, there are sea buckthorn oil. Sea buckland? Can you spell that? Buckthorn. Oh, buckthorn. buckthorn. Okay, sea buckthorn. Yes. It's my English accent. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> sea buckthorn oil. oil. And that is actually an omega-7. Yeah. And this has a lot of beneficial effects on the metabolism. Um, but it stops this fatty acid synthesis in the same way that uh, aspirin and metformin do together. Um, so that's a natural version. Wow. Uh, and everybody likes to get natural versions of, you know. For this, sure. This general hate, hatred of drugs, um, which I understand, but, you know, they, they are effective. Yeah. <laughs> and if they're low toxicity, and in the UK, uh, we can get them prescribed. If you can get them prescribed free, then, wow, it's so much cheaper than spending fortunes on supplements which is what every cancer patient does they end up spending an absolute you know you end, oh you, i know trust me so <laughs> just spend fortunes on traveling here there and everywhere it's just wow it just makes me gasp in horror but anyway got it yeah so when you were going through this i remember reading i read this some time ago and i've been in the middle of a lot of madness with my mom's stuff. Um, I remember you had to kind of mix doctors and get different things from different people. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, you know, different doctors have their own characters and their own preferences of how they like to do things. And they, particularly in this field where it's slightly more unregulated um, and, you know, these complementary integrative doctors are quite free to sort of prescribe pretty much what they feel is appropriate and they will they are prepared to take risks and normal oncology doctors do not take risks mm-hmm. they do what they're told they follow the guidelines yep. they will prescribe you what's written down on that piece of paper at stage three this is what you give ovarian you know you, it's just a, a list of you know the protocols uh, of which you have to follow it's like a recipe book but um, so I did chop and change. In fact, I saw four complementary doctors over a period of several years because I just needed to glean information. You know, back then it was not so easy to get it from the Internet. It was uh, I was getting most of my information from books, from PubMed, from um, and just picking the brains of people who who, you know, been to conferences and lectures and knew about this stuff. Um, yeah, so PubMed is actually really a really was, great resource. It's Pub P U B Med, and my brain explodes nine times out of ten reading these medical journals. <laughs> I laugh because I'm like, I think they purposely I, make them really difficult to understand. Oh my lord! Like, thankfully, I have like a good kind of intuition and gut, so some yeah. of it I can figure out. But that last ten percent just explodes yeah, my know. brain. <laughs> Yeah. But they're Start very helpful. By reading the abstract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the, the discussion at the end and the results, and then you work through the middle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the way to tackle it. And then, um, yeah, so I mean, that's 
I'm lucky that I had some medical training that I could kind of work out a lot of what it said. Um, yeah, because this is a lot though, of work. Learning, you know, oncology was my field. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Um, And so I wonder when you went to the doctors and you told them, hey, this is what I did. And look at me, I'm cured. What did they say? (laughs) You know, I kind of drifted off and I was sort of unmonitored and then just they forgot about me. They didn't bother, you know, oh, she's fine now. And (gasps) nobody really questioned it or, or they just thought that I was just still in remission. Um, from my cervical cancer um, because actually when the blood cancer came back, it was diagnosed through a series of blood tests and um, various things that were done by the integrative oncologist. And I sent some of these results to my uh, normal oncologist, but she didn't twig. It was a new cancer. She kind of couldn't understand why I had these changes in the blood. She sent it off to an immunologist and said, What's going on? Why do we have this deleted P53 in the blood? Why do we have, you know, and I was telling her that I had aerobic glycolysis, which is a marker for cancer in my blood and things. But she didn't didn't twig. (laughs) I think she was so worried about the cervical cancer coming back. She kind of, and she probably never had a cancer patient survive long enough to get the secondary blood cancers. So um, I was an unusual case, I think. And... uh, um, I, I didn't want to discuss it with her because I knew she would want to give me chemo. She'd want, she'd feel compelled to try and persuade me to have something, and I just didn't want to have that argument with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just let it ride. Well, if she discuss it, if she's not really twigged, I'm not going to be starting that conversation. <laughs> um, so, I, but I wanted to know more about the deleted P53 and what that meant, what ramifications that had on my cancer. Um, and obviously, a deleted P53 is a bad mutation to have. It means the brakes are off, means it can rampage and um, just be runaway. So, um, yeah, that kind of was an alert that I needed to get going and do something pretty fast. And that's why I decided to take things into my own hands a little bit and find out about these old drugs and then go and beg complementary doctors to prescribe them to me and I went to different doctors because I didn't want to have the argument about taking all of them all at once so I started kind of sort of one from one and two <laughs> and then eventually I sort of checked with one of the doctors before I actually took that leap to take the whole lot together um but that was that was something I you know I, I felt very strongly that the cocktail was an important and key and it is key is to have a cocktail which don't. I'm surprised the doctors even knew how those would interact. Oh, sorry. I, I'm surprised the doctors even knew whether that would interact well or not, because I don't know how many people have ever really done that before. Yeah, well, the, I mean, you know, um, the BNF, the, um, the, even online now, you can check drug interactions and things. It's quite simple. Can type in the list of things and it'll come out with whether it's okay or not. Um, so, you know, uh, my the doctor I went the primal, he had never prescribed it before, but he, he remembered the research back from the 1980s and he went, Oh, well, I've never prescribed it, but there's no reason why you can't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, might cause you a few headaches to start with, which it didn't, fortunately, but it does for about 10% of people who take Dacrimol will get headaches. 
to start with, but you kind of you can normally push through those for a few days and eases off. Um, but uh, you know the statin and they're commonly prescribed medications. You'll find that a lot of over seventies are prescribed those, the, the ones I've already mentioned. Um, I mean, we're probably preventing by this over prescribing uh, that's going on anyway. We are probably preventing a lot more cancer in in the community than there would be already mm. because actually the combination of just statin and metformin reduces your chance of having cancer by about 80%. Whoa. Which is pretty huge. What is metformin normally given yeah. for? So type 2 diabetes. Oh, okay. So it helps. Um, it actually has the most effect in the gut, uh, but it does help the liver and um, just helps reduce the amount of glucose available. Wow. Okay. I have a couple yeah, last questions I want to get to with you. First, what does your cancer-starving diet look like? Yeah. So back then, my diet was predominantly what would be described as a paleo diet. So I cut out things like potatoes, tomatoes. Uh, there was certainly no corn or um, wheaty things in my diet. Um, so it was very... I'd suppose, I suppose it would be seen as being quite clean, but, you know, um, no dairy. Um, like none. The choices, yeah, none. Well, I did occasionally have a bit of Parmesan. Okay. And occasionally a tiny bit of goat's cheese and then a tiny bit of yogurt, but really very, very rarely. Okay. Um, that was a special treat. Um. So that was, yeah, the parmesan I had because the butyric acid helped the, the stomach and stuff. But um, that that was the only bit of dairy that I allowed myself. <clears throat> and then the rest, it was mostly, um, I mean, I had fish. So I'd have sardines once a week. Um, and, and then I'd have some other fish as well. And I used to buy these huge packs of frozen sardines. Um, keep them in the freezer. And what was and, the property in the sardines that you were looking for? Because I know that was purposeful. Yeah. That, um, so oily fish, uh, fast swimming oily fish. So they have less carcinogens, um, less mercury, and they also have high levels of omega-3. <clears throat> and it's omega-3 that is important. They also have a huge amount of some of the glutamine, some of the protein stuff. But actually, you know, I was... Uh, I, I don't think people should be as worried about the glutamine being present. I, I'm not saying eat meat. Um, I just think you've got to be a little bit careful about the quantity of things that you have. Um, and I certainly think that fish is a far healthier option than meat um, when you have cancer. So although there are some people who thrive um, on organ meats and things like that, but again, they are very high in the right essential fats. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they could be very beneficial for different ways. And I know see the brain tumors, which feed off mostly glucose. Well, some it's interesting because brain tumors can actually feed off glucose and fat, um, or there might be a bias towards glutamine and fat. And, and, you know, what diet works for one brain cancer patient won't necessarily work for Another, there seems to be a split between the type, you know, the IDH1 and 2 mutations seem to, to, to have a bearing as to which way they veer. Um, 
So there, there are all sorts of different. Do you know the IDH? I don't. Mutation of, no, okay. Another thing to look up. IDH so, mutation. Yeah. So how does one find out what theirs is? Is it through the MGMT report? You should you should have that in the report or they should have they should have done some testing on the tumor. Yeah, um, that's the MGMT report. Usually, well, that one tells you whether you're going to respond to chemo or radiation. I don't know how much more detailed it gets. I think it tells you other off-label drugs that could be beneficial if the time comes and you need it because I remember there was some of that. Um you see, why wait? You know, some of these off-label drugs are, 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 unless they're really toxic, you know, and I'm not talking about the toxic ones. I'm talking about the old off-patent forgotten ones. Um, there's no point waiting to add them in. You know, it, your body, your brain needs to have those pathways. If you've got a tumor in there, you need to have the abnormal pathways blocked off so that you can actually just um, function normally. Mm-hmm. But to starve starve the cancer because it is starving the cancer cell rather than starving the rest of you which is why I kind of called my book how to starve cancer without starving yourself mm-hmm. because the drugs actually do that they will actually target the the voracious uh, feeding of the cancer cells and actually allow your healthy cells to operate normally so that's that's the basis of yeah. my approach there was something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, and that was, there was a parallel between psoriasis and tumors. Well, it was when I was researching um, for my particular cancer, I had a keratinizing tumor. So my um, oncologist had told me it sort of produced keratin because that's what you have on your skin. And mine was an epithelial, so a surface um, cancer and it had keratin in it and all the daughter cells had keratin so it needed to produce keratin and I thought well I'll find something that helps block and keratin is kind of a, a runaway disease like that is kind of I, I thought was similar to psoriasis but the psoriasis was obviously not malignant um, but it was a rapid proliferation of, of skin cells red and inflamed all of that. So I thought, well, I'll look at treatments for that. And that's when I came across the berberine. And then it said it had these anti-cancer effects and that it reduced glucose. And it had all of these benefits of anti-inflammatory. And I just thought, wow, this is this is a biggie. <laughs> and I knew nobody at all. Um, and that was in 1999 when I discovered it. No one was taking berberine. And now it's just a big thing. You know, since I mentioned it in about 2015, uh, everybody's started taking it. I've never it. even it's heard about it since I read the book. No. Well, it's... it's, um, it's Until like, I read uh, the book. Chinese, Chinese whispers. Um, but berberine is... Well, I don't think Big Pharma want people to know about berberine because it would stop people getting sick quite a lot. Yeah, well, for someone so like me... Effects. For someone like me who's um, always um, butting up against type... Uh, my, my A1C levels are going higher and I'm in pre-diabetes and my dad's type one, my brother was type two, then one type one. I have to watch it so carefully. I was like, I probably should be adding, adding berberine into my diet. Definitely. I would, uh, not medical advice. But yeah. But it sounds like someone you, with psoriasis would it. too. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot um, of people yeah. listening are probably suffering with that. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it helps with weight loss as well. So it's an all-round win-win. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's a really fabulous um, supplement, and it's traditionally been used in Chinese medicine for thousands of years. But they were using it mostly for GI, you know, gastro upsets, um, and it was only by chance that they discovered because they were testing these patients um, with berberine, trying to see how it had an effect on the gut. And some of them had diabetes. And after they'd eaten, the glucose levels were normal and they, they couldn't work out. And then they realized it was the berberine that was having this effect. Wow. Um, so, yeah. The other thing I want to ask you about was the similarities and I guess the differences, but I'm more excited about the similarities between chemo and high-dose vitamin C. Right. Well, they they fit into where I would call my kill phase. So starving the cancer stem cell is one way to kill off your cancer. It takes a bit longer. Um, but if you have a fast, uh, aggressive cancer, you may want to be adding something just to kill off those fast dividing cells as well as, you know, the rest of the cancer as well. So um, both of those fit into what I would deem a sort of a kill phase. So you've got starving and then a pulse of kill, all right? And chemo is normally a pulse of kill. And intravenous vitamin C at a high dose will give you that hydrogen peroxide, which produces free radicals that will damage the cancer cells selectively, um, unlike chemo, which is far more of a sort of, you know, multi-targeted um, blunderbuss approach. You, you will get this more selective cancer kill with the intravenous vitamin C. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very effective, uh, but it can be expensive and you know, you have to do it for an extended period of time really to get the best effects or you do it for maybe a week every day, every day or something. Yeah. I mean, that would be, to me, that would be an ideal scenario, but I don't know anybody who does that. Um, just to really, you know, give it a good, good hit for yeah. a week. Um, and then maybe three weeks off and then do it again. Um, and, and you can add the intravenous vitamin C between, there's research to show there's nothing wrong with having your chemo for your two weeks. And then when you have your break before you then have your mm -hmm. next chemo, you can, in that intervening window, you can just have a, a top up with some intravenous vitamin C then as well, and yeah. help boost your immune system, um, and help the detox as well. So it's, you know, it's, um, more likely to do much better if you do that yeah. than just sticking with, and then sticking with the chemo. I want your post-chemo plan. What are the six steps to include and why were they all important? Well, certainly you need to detox um, after, after chemo. That uh, is definitely something that you need to do. Uh, and to, to work on your immune system is kind of key because that's what's been really trashed. Um, so and your gut is completely trashed. So that's number three. Um, and so you, you need to be looking at several areas, really, uh, and then just working on continuing to start the cancer and actually stimulate new regenerative cells. Um, so you need to rebuild as well as kill. It's kind of a uh, – it's always a juggling act, actually, with cancer. 
um, the anabolic versus the catabolic, the sort of building up versus destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about sort of finding the combination of things that work to get that middle path without going off too far on one way or the other uh, to get the best effect. Yeah. And then chemo fog. I hear so many women that come to me and they're like, how do I get rid of the chemo fog? And I don't know what to say other than trying to boost their immune system. I mean, it's it's such a hard thing to see someone like even my it mom, is. the body is moving slower and very lethargic. Yeah. And so what's your solution to that? Well, I think there's a sort of a clog up of stuff in the brain. I, was, I think part of um, my protocol with the diprotamol and statin is that it actually opens up the um, blood pathways quite effectively. It produces nitric oxide and this this helps to dilate the vessels a little bit and floods the area with more oxygen. Um, That's, you know, it's a combination, not necessarily great for brain cancers specifically. There is a worry with it being an antiplatelet drug, the diprotamol, that you might get a bleed. So it obviously needs to be checked with doctors and things if, if you're going to look at that. Um, but I think there are some there are some interesting drugs around. I There's one that I've taken, actually, which is used in Silicon Valley. It's called Mildonate or Meldonium. And they use this as a sort of a um, – it's called a zootropic. Called a zootropic? Yes, which is a sort of a – a way to enhance your cognitive function. And oh. uh, they're all popping these pills in in, in La La Land. Oh, so, yeah, um, good point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it also has potentially um, an effect on blocking one of the pathways in cancer, but there's been no proof. It's a very cheap uh, drug that comes from Latvia. Um, not the easiest thing to get hold of, but I have a Latvian friend. Mm -hmm. and um i think it did help my brain a little bit anyway i you know that's just something to maybe consider but um generally i think time gradually you know defugs the system a little bit but it it does help to um to have a clean diet to have Mm -hmm. fresh clean water to you know be breathing clean air uh all of those things will help to just detox mm-hmm. your body a little bit from, yeah. from all the toxins that you've had. I love it. Jane, we have so much information. I have so many more notes here. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I love it. Better. It's amazing. I feel like we're going to have to do a part two with you at some point. Are you now like a cancer liaison slash guide for people? Is this what you're doing is, is helping people on their journey? I do. I do do that. I don't do it with many people because um it drains me a little bit so i i i'm not you know i'm not available as much as probably people would like i get loads of emails every day and messages and i can't take everybody on it's it's it feels it there's an awful amount of pressure on me (laughs) right now which i kind of try and um i do try and answer all the emails but it 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 gets really hard Mm -hmm. um but people can divert to my Facebook group and they can ask questions on there and there's a lot of information out there which I provide for free and for you know for for people to just go and research and there's a research bar there's a search button um on my 
Facebook group and you can look up your type of cancer, you can look up how other people are doing. Um, so you can see the results that other people are getting from following my protocol. Got so, it. yeah. Very cool. I want to ask you, because we ask everybody, how are you getting better in your life every day? It's our last question to everyone. How am I getting better? You know, I'm, I'm, I've got actually a little bit more laissez-faire. I think because my knowledge is quite wide now and I, I understand cancer, I, I would say that my fear is getting less and less. And that to me is a great thing mm -hmm. because it was right up there at one stage you know I, I didn't want to die um and the fact i can kind of just approach each day with a kind of not a devil may care attitude but wow every second of every day i was kind of looking at something going ah oh, that's so wonderful it's so beautiful i'm probably not going to see it this time next year or you know it was um it's it was a awful thing to have this sort of finite timeline imposed on you uh, and to feel that actually that has lifted is is an amazing thing. <laughs> so yeah. it's still not completely gone. I still feel a slight weight of um, that sort of Damocles hanging over my head, but it, it's not really present in anything like the amount that it was before. Mm -hmm. um, Do you meditate so or anything? I, I, I used to meditate three times a day. Um, I don't do it so often, but I do. Um, and um, I try and I, to keep my, you know, I, I think actually knowledge is one of the, the things that I really like. And I keep wanting to learn something every day. I think to me, learning and growing um, is really important, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I feel that is, is a key factor of, of where I am right now. Thank you so much. Okay, pleasure. All right, guys. What have we learned? <laughs> there are so many names of things that I need to research because it seems like miracle work, but mainly that I, I just love the holistic health approach. Something she said that really hit me was it's not just about curing like the tumor. It's the whole body is out of sync if that's what's happening. And I think oftentimes we're trained to be like, oh, we have a scratch. Like, let's just focus on that or whatever it may be. But it's really getting the whole like everything works as one. Yeah. So your food, your exercise, your meditation, your mindset, all those things play into how you're curing your healing yourself and then also the research. I just love yeah. her, her methods with research. Yeah, I think it's she's a, she's intense. It made me like feel so lame that I hadn't done enough. It's like I mean you cut you kept up pretty well, Maria, I would say. Yeah, but I'm I did not do the level of research she did. I, I think my brain would have exploded. <laughs> I mean, I've read all of these medical journals. I really do I do my best, but my point is I mean, she went to the level of, okay, this pathway we need to block. And the, I don't know any of those pathways. I used my gut and my intuition, um, and it served me really well. But, and I, you know, obviously um, will read books like this and apply things that I feel instinctively would be helpful. Um, so I use a different kind of, I use the force. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if you called it the holistic approach, but I didn't feel like there was much holistic in this this was dieting of course but then it was like a lot of drugs a yeah. lot of different drugs 
what I thought was the most interesting for me is that like, for me, if you want to kill a roach, you put a cinder block on it. <laughs> oh my God. So, why? Well, why? I'm saying like, I'm saying like, there's no question that that is going to be killed. Yeah. So her, the, the approach that a lot of doctors have is the same is you don't want the cancer <laughs> to return. You want to throw a cinder block on that roach. You want yeah. to blast it out but of your system. But that roach is next to like other like important organs. Yeah, that the roach is next to your golden killing. Rolex and possibly the keys to your car yeah. and your brain. Um, but it was interesting to hear that her take is instead of just blowing up Switzerland, it's like you, you, you go at it from different approaches to completely starve it from everything it needs and you attack it with – you poison it. Cut it off from food. It's like you're torturing the cancer to death instead yeah. of just like hitting it with one poison and hope it takes it out. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty interesting because it's kind of like a strategic approach. Yeah. As opposed to just let's use a hammer on an egg. Yeah. Well, she's much more scientific. I think that's why you are so drawn to it. I also think that our definition of holistic yes. is so wrong in life. And it's funny. My partner in this <laughs> health show that we're doing um, was the one who said this. She's like, holistic doesn't have to mean like fruity tooty, yes. just vitamins and whatever. Exactly. It's, it says holistic. Yes. Let's look at the whole picture. I pulled up the definition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the characterized by the comprehension of the parts of something that they're all interconnected and inexplicably um, intertwined with one another. Mm-hmm. So when I mean holistic and I'm sure we're on the same page right now, I mean like you're getting after everything yeah. because we are one moving body and yeah. everything is affecting everything. Yeah. But, but I think I had a bad definition of it prior to. Oh yeah. Not, I'm not that I didn't believe in it. I mean that we were over here and they were over there. Right. Like, like they were missing something, which but, they are missing something in a sense. We know that there's a large chunk that's missing from the medical community. What they're doing is great, but they need to fortify the body as well. So I looked at holistic a little differently. And then my partner was like, Maria, it means looking at the whole picture. And that's the problem with the medical community. They're just looking at that brain tumor. They're not looking at everything else around to see what could be contributing to this. What, you know, what else could be going on that we need to deal with? Anyway, go ahead, Stephen. Well, I'm just curious because this has come out. This is the second time we've, we've dealt with words mm-hmm. and a dictionary. And it's... no oh boy. <laughs> it's, it's 2019 where words that used to mean something have new definitions. And holistic has a pseudoscience definition. It is not a word that you hear and you think scientific. So why does... Why does the community of people who prescribe to this but also apply Western medicine and subscribe to the literal definition not create a new term for it? Because if somebody walks into my office or wherever I am and I'm say I'm sick and they're like, well, let's take a holistic approach. I'm like, you're fired. I'm going to a doctor. Yeah, because so like, you're thinking it's just going to be fruity tooty stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So this is the same with like the energy things, like where it's like people talk about energy, but what they really mean is like the different things that are affecting people mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering like why don't we c- we should create the new word for this okay. because holistic doesn't cut it i like it so why don't we have a little lunch session somewhere and we come up with the new word i think we should we're better together guys the three of us we'll just put our heads together actually kevin's really good with titles we'll invite kevin too <laughs> we practice improvement medicine yes Ooh, <laughs> improvement medicine because okay. it takes from everything. That's one one idea. One idea. We'll we'll look at this, but I think it's I think it's really important, and um, and I just I just love the way she she attacked it, and I love that 
um, she's sharing all of it with everyone. Yeah. She's a badass. Yeah. So anyhow, I hope it was helpful to you guys. Thank you for joining us as always right here on Better Together. Help us by rating, commenting, subscribing, please. We love hearing from you. As I tell you every week, it lights up my day when I see your comments. So thank you so much. Um, if you love the show, tell a friend. I uh, I think the biggest thing that you can do as as someone who is listening to the show and benefiting is to share it with people so that they can benefit as well. Um, this isn't just like a celebrity interview show where you're like, Oh my God, that was so fun and entertaining. And this is helping you. And if it's helping you share it with someone else that, um, that it will help too. So let's pay it forward. Yeah. We um, want to keep growing it, which in growing this community in this space where we can like learn and grow in every area. And that's part of the reason we have the major reason we have the patreon and why we're really wanting to grow that so Mm -hmm. that we can eventually make this podcast version ad free we would love an ad free space where we can just provide info with just us and our experts well we're doing like three hours a week on the patreon like we have (laughs) so much content for you guys on there yeah absolutely and you guys can help direct us as to what you want more of or less of so we will listen to your uh, feedback for all of that. But um, as Steph said, we did launch a Patreon recently and we are hoping to make this show ad free completely. So the more of you that join in the quicker, we'll be able to do all of that. Although I will say Steph and Steven do really great ads. I really enjoy your ads. (laughs) When I listen to the show as a fan, I'm like, man, they're really fun. So they do a really great job of it, but we want to remove them. (laughs) With their heads. Less air time. We have to replace the ads with the ad for, for me. It's, a 29-year-old single man. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. On that note, if you want to join our Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash join backslash Maria Menunos. This will be in the summary, of course, so you can go in there. If you want to email us um, and give us any feedback or thoughts, better together with Maria at gmail.com. Uh, and then if you want to buy the book, How to Starve Cancer, you can visit www.howtostarvecancer.com. Very simple. Or you can check out the How to Starve Cancer Facebook page as an extra resource. Um, And um, if you just type in How to Starve Cancer in the search bar, it'll provide all the links um, in the summary of this episode. So uh, Facebook dot com or how to start yeah we'll, we'll provide all the links but it's really easy to search and you'll also have it right in front of you simple <laughs> simple simple meanwhile follow us at maria menunos at jane underscore mcclelland at steph sabra at Stephen lamifoto and remember be nice people make good choices and be present <laughs>